0: 91.1 Weagle presents the scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Your cars are welcome at 334-844-9345. Call now. You can follow Jacob and Bay on Twitter at Bay underscore Marks and at Jacob underscore Hillman 3. Now let's take a look at the scoreboard with Bay and Jacob. Welcome back into the scoreboard, WEGL, 91.1 FM, or if you're streaming to the scoreboard live on WeagleFM.com, we welcome you back into the Bradley Basin studio here in the Auburn University Student Center. Bay Marks, as always, sitting alongside Jacob Hillman. Jacob,
1: how are you after a first week of college football? It feels great. We had a, we had so getting into the weather. Had some bad weather at the beginning of the week, but it feels great today, and I'm looking forward to the weather this weekend for the 11 a.m. kick against Alabama State. Alabama
0: State, the second game under the Brian Harson era. The first game, Auburn came out victorious against the Akron Zips, 60-10. to If you want to catch Jacob and mine analysis uh, on that contest, you can stream live the podcast version of today's show. We're going to implement that into the episode. Um, we did it earlier today, a very lengthy discussion in-depth on the offense, defense, certain guys that we thought stood out um, and what we thought of the play calling and how Auburn played. So if you want to hear that, um, just stay tuned to the podcast version later today that we'll put out through Uh, Spotify, Apple, wherever you find your podcast. But for now, we will still be recapping some of college football's games from week one. Several big games happening like Alabama and Miami and Atlanta. Georgia beating Clemson on the road without scoring an offensive touchdown. Ohio (laughs) State kicking off their season in Oklahoma, getting scared early by Tulane. There was just a lot of different stuff, Jacob, um, that really happened throughout week one across the country.
1: Well, and there were some big upsets like Montana taking down Washington. I mean, Texas A&M was only leading Kent State. Ten to three at the half. Iowa State only beat Northern Iowa sixteen to ten. Oregon came down to the wire with Fresno State. I mean, there was a lot going on this weekend in college football. What I what really stood out to me outside of Auburn Akron was the Penn State Wisconsin game. Obviously, Auburn will be traveling to Happy Valley in two weeks to face the Nittany Lions. They took down Wisconsin sixteen to ten, and I'll be, I mean, they tried not to win. I mean, they were giving Wisconsin every opportunity possible. But Graham Mertz and the Wisconsin offense could not take the chances.
0: You gotta give me credit. I did call an LSU upset.
1: I don't want to talk about my picks. Okay.
0: Hey, it my was bad. I missed a couple, but I was on the I hit the nail on the head with the uh UCLA over LSU pick, and then the sissy blue shirts were very
1: excited. I picked LSU. I picked Louisiana over Texas, I picked Clemson. I picked Wisconsin. I picked Indiana. I, well, I picked Georgia. I Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Did I pick Penn State or did I pick Wisconsin?
0: No, I
1: think we both picked
0: Wisconsin. Yeah. It was a home game in Camp Randall. You're right about that. Um, I didn't, my pick's not good at all. Did I pick North Carolina too? We both picked North Carolina. Yeah. Because I, I said specifically on the show something about not being able to see Virginia Tech come out victorious in week one just because of Sam Howell. I think, <laughs> that's what I'm saying, I think I missed a couple, but there were a few that I did, I did get, but... Um, regardless let's go ahead and jump into it let's go back to a week ago from today uh, real quick Ohio State opening up the season at Minnesota they squeak out uh, with their first gate under CJ Stroud with 294 passing yards they win 45 to 31
1: at Minnesota yeah and after the first weekend not to overreact but I think Ohio State might be the only team with a chance to take down Alabama this season every other team they have their flaws of course you know, in six weeks, they might figure it out like Georgia. They might have an offense in six weeks. We'll see. It depends on how JT Daniels injury, how severe it is, and whatnot. And what but, their COVID deal is. Right. And Ohio State based off week one is the only team that I see competing with Alabama. And I don't think that they are necessarily ready for that challenge yet. Nick Saban probably doesn't agree with me. He probably thinks Ohio State would beat Alabama by a lot. But my point is CJ Stroud looked impressive. Ohio State as a whole, other than Minnesota. Scoring a little bit. I mean, yeah, he had Muhammad Abraham, 163 yards. That's not good, but I do think that Ohio State is probably the number two team in the country right now.
0: Yeah, Stroud looked good in my opinion, and then Olave obviously had over 100 yards receiving with two receiving touchdowns. We know what we're so gonna good. get out of him. He's he's a uh, he's a good good football player. I would um, say he's my Bolitnikov favorite at the moment. I would agree. I think there's a few other guys that could make a push for that, but at the moment, he's definitely the Bolitnikov leader. I just feel um, like
1: he's exciting. He's kind of like Rondell Moore, but a little bit yeah. better or
0: well-rounded. And, yeah. Um, but regardless, they do win and come at victorious. That was kind of the biggest game um, from last Thursday's slate of games. Friday night, the first upset of the weekend. Number 10, North Carolina traveling on the road to Virginia Tech, and they do fall 17-10. to And uh, Sam Howell, his first career game with three interceptions. So we talked about Heisman, contender.
1: I mean, he's— Were we wrong? Probably. It's because you mentioned it. Probably. The Tillman curse. My bad. My bad, Sam. 17 for 32. That That's not cutting it. I mean, when we talk about the Heisman, I really don't know who's leading the way. You could say Bryce Young, but I don't yeah, know. Matt Crowley.
0: It's too early, but You're regardless, right. just later in the season. But about North thought, Carolina.
1: I mean, look at, let's talk about first the atmosphere of Virginia Tech. Dude, I don't think there was a single empty seat. I mean, I don't think there was a single hair laying down on anyone's body. That, that place looked electric, and that's a place I want to see a game one day. I mean, in a few weeks, I'll be traveling to Penn State, and I'll see an incredible atmosphere there. But that inner Sandman is something to experience, I can tell. Yeah. I
0: mean, my deal is I think this was huge for Virginia Tech to get their year started out, obviously. But my thing is North Carolina, a team that a lot of people were saying um, could potentially end up in another New Year's Six Bowl like they did last year against Texas AM. My thing from this game is, A, how do they respond, but more importantly, B, uh, how does Sam Howell, the junior quarterback, respond?
1: What'll be interesting is they face Georgia State, who Auburn plays in three weeks, this upcoming week. So seeing how they respond to a team that I think some people expected Georgia State to be a good group of five team. They did not show that against Army. Of course, Army's always a tough team to game plan against because of the triple option. Now, that's hard to to make that argument for Georgia State because they had the whole offseason to do that, but... Looking at ahead to North Carolina's schedule, that stretch where they play FSU, Miami, and at Notre Dame is scary. I could see them losing all three of those games. I mean, Miami didn't look impressive, but FSU and Notre Dame, I think, are definitely better than North Carolina right now.
0: So let's go ahead and let's move to Saturday. Before we get into the couple of really big games, the one game, like I mentioned earlier, that I kind of want to go over real quick with you, Jacob, was that LSU-UCLA game. LSU, a program that's normally very dominant out of the SEC Shoot, had one of the most dominant seasons uh, in college football history a couple years ago. Go on the road and get shocked. Um, in California, and UCLA, 38-27. to
1: So, I think this is going to be a game that we see more clearly in the coming weeks and towards the end of the season because I don't know exactly how good UCLA is. I love Dorian Thompson-Robinson. I love Zach Charbonnet. And that was the guy we mentioned last week was going to be big. Right. I don't know if this at this UCLA team, is that well-rounded. I think they're a good team. I think they're going to compete for the Pac-12 just because the Pac-12 seems like an absolute crapshoot right now. But I don't really know what this LSU team is really made of until I know what UCLA is.
0: Yeah, and I think this, I forgot who it was that said it, but somebody the other day was I was talking to about this game said that they really truly believe that UCLA finally just has the players that Chip Kelly wants. It's very possible, and I mean, we saw what Chip Kelly was able to do at Oregon. I mean, the year that Auburn went to the national championship, he was their head coach. He had players that he wanted. Um, that could potentially be dangerous for the
1: Pac-12 seeing U- UCLA like that. But well, especially when you have the when you have an Oregon who barely beat Fresno, you have Washington lose to an FCS team. USC wasn't all that impressive. Keon Slovis looked fine, but. I, they didn't do anything to make me think they're definitely winning the Pac-12, and the rest of the Pac-12 you can't really rely on. So I will
0: say one thing about this game was Max Johnson. He looked great. He had one interception.
1: <laughs> well, but he, he looked great except for back. the interception, yes. and then uh, wacky behind the back pass yes. spinning. I mean, it was a cool trick. Statistically, um, he played fine for I them agree. to come out of there with a victory. I just And he was kind of forced into like a really tough spot just having to come from behind. Yeah.
0: What was the meme somebody said on Twitter the other day? It was like, is Auburn going to make two LSU coaches quit? Oh,
1: no, yeah, I said that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I said that. I was wondering. I didn't if, know that was you. I was looking at it. I was like, I mean, it's two very years possible. ago, 2016, it was Gus Miles on versus Les Miles coaching for their jobs. Brian Harson won't be coaching for his job, but... Ed Orgeron's kind of fighting for his. If Auburn goes into Baton Rouge and wins for the first time in 21 and a half years, I mean... I don't know if he makes it to Monday. Yeah, it's uh, it's very possible. I didn't realize that was you that
0: tweeted that. Though, also, but,
1: uh, this begs the question: Is Ed Orgeron just Gene Chizik? I saw that too on Twitter. Was that you that tweeted? No, that, that was not me. Okay. that's everyone else. Um, that's a more obvious thing. No, but that's that's another good point. We'll find out towards the end of the season. LSU doesn't have the easiest schedule in the world, and no. they they didn't win their non non conference games so.
0: Moving on, let's go ahead and head over to Atlanta where the Alabama Crimson Tide faced off against the Miami Hurricanes where a lot of smack talk was coming out of the south region of Florida. (laughs) Alabama walks away with a
1: 44-13 victory um, in Bryce Young's debut. debut. Well, Bryce Young, as I said, looked fantastic. 27 for 38, 344 yards, four touchdowns, no picks, a 94.2 QBR. I mean, you couldn't ask for much more from Bryce Young if you're an Alabama fan or Alabama coach. From that game because he slung it and he did a good job at that. He did what he was made out to be. There was that one pass where he was throwing from his own end zone, just threw it 60 yards on a dime. That throw, now the receiver was wide open, but it was such a perfect throw. And I just was like, okay, this guy's for real. I yeah. think this guy might be better than the previous three Alabama quarterbacks based off that performance.
0: Yeah, he, um, I think he set a record. I believe, was it the most passing? It was either the most passing yards or touchdowns. Probably both. an Alabama quarterback debut. Probably both. Um, yeah, something to that extent. So. I know
1: for sure it was the yards, but the the touchdowns, I'm sure.
0: Now, he was spoiled because he sat behind Matt Jones last year, who sat behind Tua Tagovailoa uh, and Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Um, so that might have something to do with it. It's, it's
1: almost like Nick Saban has figured out, hey, if I have a really good quarterback, this my team's going to be unstoppable. Yeah,
0: not just your average A.J. McCarron or Greg yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Or I'm not going to say Jake Coker because he won a stands. national championship that year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Alabama's defense, though, again, just as a whole, not going to get super detailed. But, I mean, again, they look great. Hey, Will Anderson,
1: I mean, that dude's going to lead the conference in sacks.
0: I, they're, I don't think they're – only de- have one on Saturday, but – I'm going to give a hint to the game we're about to speak about, but I think their defense is not as good as
1: Georgia's, but it's suffocating, and it's very similar. It's 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 much better than the last several years because, yeah. as I was saying, Nick Saban figured out he needed a quarterback – I feel like the focus has been on the offense and the defense has lacked a little bit. Also, I think Alabama, their injury problems, I think they went away with all Scotty Cochran. So, yeah. we'll see. <laughs> not, not to throw shade. Not to throw shade. Not to throw shade on the scoreboard. No, no, no. Well, I would never.
0: But, like we were mentioning, to you just now, uh, the game of the week where game day was, Georgia versus Clemson in Charlotte. Uh, Georgia walks away with a victory without even scoring a touchdown <laughs> on
1: offense. I mean. How? because DJ Uagalele looked lost back there. Can we get a pronunciation real quick for those? No, listeners? I'm that was it. DJ Uagalele? I think it's U- Uagalele. Uagalele. Can we just Which him DJ? Yeah, DJ fine. Okay. So DJ DJ he, did not live up to the expectation. He did not and part of it could have been his offensive line underperforming or Georgia's defensive line being the best defensive line in all of history. So, we're going to find out about that in the future of course Clemson's schedule. I mean, well, I don't know if he doesn't perform against South Carolina State and Georgia Tech the next two weeks, then we're probably going to see some controversy.
0: I think the biggest thing, though, to point out about all of this is that I think, I don't know if it was Kirk Herbstre or somebody on ESPN, um, they made the point that was, you know, this game right now, yeah, it is huge. Like, I mean, but Clemson, first of all, they didn't drop super far. Second of all, the fact that it's early in the season gives you plenty of time and leeway for you to grow your way back into that playoff standings. Um, so, in the grand scheme of things, this game doesn't hurt that bad. But also, in the grand scheme of things, in Georgia's case, that just makes it a whole lot easier for them to get in the playoffs.
1: Oh, yeah. Georgia can lose probably two I, they games. They can lose two games hey, against they,
0: quality opponents.
1: If they were to lose to Auburn in a month, and then they lost to Florida yeah. close, yeah, they're probably still yeah, in it, as yeah. long as they win the SEC championship. Yeah. So, I think Georgia put themselves in the best position possible. Of course, J. C. Daniels dealing with an injury. He is. We don't know how severe it is. So, that could impact the Auburn game in a month, or it might only impact this upcoming game against UAB. So, it'll be interesting to see who starts on Saturday for Georgia. Well, and let's not act like JT Daniels just had a field day either. I mean, he averaged 4.5 yards per attempt. He was 22-30. He was efficient besides the one interception. His average was worse than DJ's. Yeah. Come on. Defense was the name of the game in Charlotte on Saturday All right. for this game. So, I've got, I've got... Does this Clemson team... With so Dabo Sweeney without a Trevor Lawrence or Deshaun Watson or even a Taj Boyd, I'm I'm assuming DJ's worse than Taj Boyd. I think Taj Boyd was a great college quarterback. I'm going to say DJ's a little bit worse. Is Dabo Sweeney a great coach without a great quarterback? I, we're going to find out. I'm I was about to we're going to find I'm out. You, that
0: question. If you use this one game as a sample size, you would have to argue yes. I mean, really? I mean, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Yes, okay. He is not... Uh, yeah, sorry. Let me rephrase. He is not a great coach unless he has a great quarter. I mean, they, they got a field goal in the third quarter. Yeah. Because, le- like Jacob just said, Clemson has had Trevor Lawrence for the past three years. Before that, Deshaun Watson. And before Deshaun, they had Taj Boyd where they went to the Orange Bowl and different big bowl games like that. Um, Clemson is
1: very talented. The drive that stands but, out to me... What? Was the... What was it the sec- It was the second drive of the second half. Georgia throws the interception, Clemson's down at the 33, and they go backwards nine yards and the to punt. Yeah. Get at least a field goal out of that. Get at least a field goal. You're down seven to three, and you're feeling confident, your quarterback's comfortable because he says, hey, if I score a touchdown, we take the lead? Yeah. But now, you don't score. Georgia goes down the field, and they get a field goal. They're up 10 nothing, and now it's play from behind in a game that you have not moved the ball at all. You know what Georgia's O-line
0: somewhat reminded me of? Just be- I think it was just because Clemson was playing was the 2017 game of Auburn versus Clemson when Auburn's O-line oh, yeah. was virtually yeah. non-existent. You're right. I mean, I mean, didn't it guess- just seemed like every play... Was it seven sacks? DJ was getting sacked. He has- He had negative 22 rushing yards, so that tells you how many times he got sacked. Yeah. Uh, Jared Stidham
1: got sacked 11 times that night, so it
0: wasn't (laughs) quite as bad. But still bad. It was rough. Week one is over in the college football world. On the other side of the break, we're going to go ahead and look forward to week two in the college football world, give some predictions, give some analysis on the scoreboard, Jacob Hillman and Bay Marks Live, WEGL 91.1. Thank you for tuning into the scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. You can find the scoreboard podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcasts. And Welcome back. This is the scoreboard WEG on 91.1 FM. Just wrapping up our discussion of week one scores in the college football world. Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman here to recap the Auburn versus Akron game from week one, live from Jordan Hare Stadium, where Auburn defeated Akron 60 to 10. The also, first game of
1: the Brian Harson era. Big note, scoregami.
0: Yes, a scoregami. Jacob did mention that the other day in a text via him uh, to me. So.
1: Had to put that out there, 60 to 10. According to Josh Dubb on Twitter, at Josh Dubb underscore, it is the 2,156 unique score in FBS history, and it is the 15th college football score, Gami, involving Auburn with the most recent coming in 2010. I think if you think about that season, you know exactly what it is. Arkansas, when Auburn defeated Arkansas, 65-43. to
0: At the time, that was the highest-scoring SEC game ever.
1: And then seven overtimes, yes. and uh, <laughs> Texas A&M happened. So. Yeah,
0: what a game that was. But uh, nonetheless, Auburn does come victorious in the first game under the Brian Harson era. So many talking points about this game. Uh, although Akron, being Akron, and I believe they've only won one game in the past two years, um, regardless, very clean football game all around from Auburn,
1: I would say. Absolutely. I think the big thing was, they were so disciplined. There were not a lot of penalties. I don't have the number in front of me, but the penalties were very low for this Auburn team, which is not what you expect coming in week one, especially with the new coaching staff and everything that comes with that. They also didn't turn the ball over, which is a very impressive thing to do. And everyone got some playing time. Every single player pretty much on the roster that you could possibly play this season, they got to get some game action and they're going to be able to have that experience under the belt if their name is called upon later this season, whether that's due to injury or they just need to step up because someone's not performing.
0: So let's go ahead and get into it. I think one of the biggest things coming out of that game, obviously, is junior quarterback Bo Nix throwing 20 of 22 for 275 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, had a QBR of 96.6. I mean...
1: Probably the cleanest game we've seen out of Bo Nix's career as an Auburn Tiger. Definitely, and he completed his first 11 passes before one ball hit the turf, so it was something that we haven't seen from him because a lot of times in these games what we've seen is him just not really play up to this kind of level. Now, of course, he has that ability. We saw that on Saturday, but he always kind of underperforms in these games. So him going 20 for 22, that is the big thing that I noticed. Of course, also just kind of the averages. I mean, he was spreading the ball out around to Shedrick Jackson, Javarius Johnson, five receptions, three receptions, two receptions, five receptions, three receptions, down the list of receivers, which we'll get into in a few minutes. But it just felt like every single pass had a chance at being a big play.
0: And it felt like Bo really controlled the game and showed that maturity. His freshman year at Auburn, 2019, with a veteran defense, he was bailed out of a lot of games, or he was kept in a lot of games due to that defense. Last year, obviously, with the COVID season, Auburn all around didn't play very cleanly. But that maturity, I feel like, showed in Bo Nix this past Saturday. It's his third offensive coordinator in his three years on the Plains. And he's been mentioning to the media throughout summer and spring camps and fall camps, he's been saying, we really enjoy this offense. I really like the dynamic it brings to the table. I like what I'm able to do. I like the reads I'm making. I feel very confident. And he's made a huge progression, knock on wood, so far. Um, in his passing game through week one,
1: you could say he's improved under this new offense and that he's focused and having fun. And that may be some people maybe? may say he's even a dark horse for the high. Yeah, you know, I've heard some people say that. So, this Bo, may be the year. Bo Nix, this is
0: the year. <laughs> if you know, you know. Um, nonetheless, junior quarterback Bo Nix does have a great game week one against Akron. And some people also would like to know about TJ Finley, who was also competing for that starting quarterback spot. He also had a great game for the few possessions he was in. Um, got a lot of garbage time in.
1: Yeah, and I think that, you know, he only went two for five, so this, he didn't light up the stats or anything like that. He had a rushing touchdown on the quarterback sneak. Obviously, with that 6'6", 240-pound frame, that's easy to do. But I think the big thing is, is that he controlled the offense. He was able sure to really just have everything under control. I didn't ever feel like that Auburn was at risk of a turnover with him. At the
0: helm, he felt he, calm.
1: Exactly, yeah. a lot of quarterbacks
0: don't feel calm in those kind of situations,
1: especially when they're coming into the game for the first time in front of that new crowd. Of course, C.J. Finley has that experience. He's played in front of not an eighty-seven thousand, you know, capacity crowd at Jordan Stadium, but, but in Jordan played. Stadium, yeah, he's played yeah. on Halloween <clears> and he didn't perform very well. So yeah. he knows what the atmosphere is like in a way. No, yeah, and that's a good point. I felt the same way about
0: him. Was that he just brought a calm presence a lot of quarterbacks, they'll come in during garbage time because they're not used to playing, um, and they'll make a mental mistake or two, or they'll overthink, or they won't make the right read or whatnot. But um, again, a calming presence from him. Finley played great. Um, I think Auburn should feel very comfortable. God willing, Bo Nix does not go down. But if Bo Nix were to go down, it's nice to see that calming presence um, coming off the bench. And one more thing I'll say about Bo
1: Nix is that we will really see how much he's improved when Auburn travels to Penn State and LSU because... I, I was
0: going to say, that's a whole team thing as well. The
1: big thing is that, yeah, of course it's the, big, the whole team thing, but I think the big thing is that we've seen what Bo Nicks does on the road, and usually it's not great. So yeah. if he goes into Penn State and or LSU and puts up big numbers, this truly might be the year.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people, and I said this to Carter Bird the other day, in our group chat was just... I am not gonna I'm cautiously optimistic because again it's Akron not the best team in the world but I was talking to Jordan's dad uh, Mr Allen Antonio the other day and I mean I told him because he wasn't able to watch the game it was on ESPN Plus or SEC Network Plus I said Mr Allen I said it just felt a lot cleaner yeah. I said we didn't have all the trickery we didn't have all the mental mistakes it just felt cleaner but um, again we're getting ahead of ourselves we'll go back to the rushing attack for Auburn Ooh. Tank Bigsby I mean wasting no time on the first offensive possession of the year to taunt somebody he 20 yards down the field. He was
1: excited to did you? free.
0: Can I say one more thing, too? Go ahead. Do you know what he did after he went in the end zone with celebrating? Do you remember two years ago during the LSU dominant year where their players went over to Alabama's recruits during the or after the game and said, come to LSU? Yeah. After that touchdown, if, for all of you that don't know, if you're looking at Auburn's tunnel where they run out, the recruits sit in the section to the right – He jogged down the sideline like sideways, shuffling, and started talking to the recruits. I don't know what he was saying; I couldn't read his lips. But he was talking to the recruits, like pointing, like "come here, yeah." It was nice. That's cool. He was taunting that poor defensive back (laughs) for (laughs) twenty yards. I mean, they didn't
1: have a chance. I mean, he hit the twenty-yard line. He knew he scored.
0: I think slow down and everything. Yeah, he kind of he kind of gestured like "come on" for about five or ten yards, and then he was then he was just looking at the student section, (laughs)
1: pumping his fist. The all-white student section. It was yes that. It looked good. It looks good every year. Of course, the whole stadium wasn't full. I'm waiting for them to do it for a big game. I think it was eighty-three
0: thousand, and that was really just the upper decks that were, yeah, up, the corners and the guest seat. That's the guest seating. So I, I'm, I'm
1: waiting for the year that Auburn says, you know what, against I don't know LSU, we're going to do a out. It'd be interesting.
0: Yeah, I don't, I kinda they usually they don't. do like orange against like LSU or something. No, I agree. Like a big SEC game, I mean, kinda um,
1: cool. especially a night game.
0: But back to the rushing attack, Tank Bigsby, 13 carries for 119 yards with two touchdowns. He was under 100 at halftime, and I looked over and I told my buddy, I was like, he's got to get over 100 before they yank him. And he had a big run on the first possession of the second
1: half. Well, yeah, he actually got – he lost two yards. Yes, he, he did. And then he got 25 on the next carry, yes. so he just bounced it out. Whenever he was running wild in those first possession or two, I thought he had a chance at 200. But back to the passing discussion, that kind of prevented him from doing that because yeah. Bo was so efficient through the air – I really think that if Auburn has this all around attack on the offensive end, it's gonna be tough to stop. Even if the offensive line isn't great, which I thought they were okay on Saturday, then it really doesn't matter because the, those defenses are either gonna have to stack eight in the box against Tank or they're gonna have to prevent against Bo and just either one, it's it's basically pick your poison. Yeah, exactly. So it's gonna be it's gonna be tough for defenses to go up against this Auburn offense.
0: Yeah, and I like the point you make about Tank wasn't really getting to do what Tank really does because Bo is being so efficient. He only had 13 carries. And ma- imagine the day that Bo doesn't have a good game. Right. You can rally on Tank. When Tank's not having a great day, Bo's there. Um, but Sean Shivers nonetheless, we're gonna give him credit as well, had uh <laughs> two carries for 24 yards and a rushing touchdown. But he and I'm gonna say this wait, was that was his first touchdown? That's a that's a passing touchdown. It was a receiving touchdown. Okay. So
1: he had two. He had two touchdowns that is on t- three touches.
0: That yes, that is the touchdown. That I mean, cr- he crushed somebody in he the corner of the end zone. But Sean Shivers, like Jacob just said, touched the ball three times, and two of those times resulted in a touchdown. And
1: they were like twenty-yard touchdowns both times. Yeah, he is really efficient, and I love the senior leadership he brings because he's been around since that twenty eighteen LSU game you mentioned. Yes, and he he really kind of brings this offense together where. We're going to get into the freshman, Jarquez Hunter, soon. But the fact that Sean Shivers is still there just making his presence felt is just great for this offense, I think.
0: He's a veteran presence, and he knows a lot. He's been here the four years that we've been here. Um, And like you said, Jacob, his freshman year, he got a lot of playing time. It translated throughout his career at Auburn. And he's not the kind of guy, even though he's very fast. I mean, he was racing in high school against Anthony Schwartz. He's the type of guy to put his head down and put his shoulder down and try and run you over. Um, and we saw that Saturday. So Sean Shivers, again, a two-headed horse uh, between him and Tank Bigsby could be in the mix for Auburn this season. But like Jacob just said, Jacob, let's go ahead and get into Jarquez Hunter.
1: I mean, come on. It's it's like Sean Shivers, again, but I feel like he's going to be a little bit more dynamic, and once Tank is gone, he's going to take the reins over and be a great running back. He's bigger than Sean. Yeah. Um,
0: I think he squats like five or 600 pounds. Like, he's a rock, but... He had nine carries for 110 yards, and he also scored once. Again, that was during garbage time, and that put Auburn up um, on the 50-point separation between the zips. Um, But I agree. I'm not trying to look too far ahead in the future. I'm trying to enjoy Tank while we have him now. You're right. Because we do have Tank for virtually two more years. Um, But once Tank is gone, or once Sean does leave after this year, it's great knowing, once again, you have that depth at running back um, and having Jarquez Hunter, who was a guy that was, I believe, a three-star coming out of high school. He was was not highly rated. No, he was not. And I think that's a... I think a lot of people... And I'm again, I'm not trying to get too ahead of myself, but a diamond in the rough that a
1: lot of people may have criticized Brian Harson for in recruiting. I mean, here's the thing. He ran so hard and just... It wasn't one of those things where, yes, Akron is not very good, but just the way he ran, it just... He was a blue-collared runner. It was different. Yeah. It was different. He looks like a guy that's going to run really hard his whole career, and he's going to run really well his whole career. And of course... We don't know what the offensive line is going to look like in a few years. It might be improved from what it is right now. And he was also running behind the backups. Yeah. I don't know. I, I like what I saw from Jarquez Hunter. I don't think he's going to get too many meaningful carries this year. Of course, he will be the third guy. So, oh, you absolutely. need three running backs on the roster. I'm sure that Harson and Mike Bobo will figure out ways to have packages for him. Because he's he's going to earn that playing time.
0: I think Mike Bobo is going to have the capability and, and he's going to enhance trying to use – tank and Sean but then he's still gonna have in the back of his mind that
1: Hunter is still there um here's my question yeah Alabama State this weekend does Darkwise Hunter get 100 yards again no okay I, I think do you think they're gonna try to get some other guys to carries like Jordan Ingram he did not play
0: he didn't play at all and I, I thought he'd be the fourth guy instead of uh Sean Jackson yeah. I believe was the fourth guy that came in he ran a guy over too yeah he did Sean Jackson only had a few carries as well I believe he had two touches he had, maybe he had two carries for 22 for yards yeah but uh to answer your question no Okay. I think Tank has a yeah another good game. I think Shivers will get a little bit more carries. Alabama State's a little bit more of a respectable opponent. That's
1: what I thought was. I think Shivers will get 100 yards. Yeah, because they didn't give him a lot of carries, and I think the the reason for that was they know what they're getting out of Sean Shivers. Whereas this coming up week, you've got this is the last game until Penn State. You want to kind of get his legs under him, let him really feel himself, and know exactly what he what he's capable of. Uh, I think that's a big thing is let, let him run a little bit after Tank gets his did work I done. Say, let
0: Tank get his warm-up reps in for a quarter or two. Exactly. And, and,
1: yeah, let Tank rest. Um,
0: receiving. Another group that a lot of people were concerned about coming into this year, and what did I tell you on the show about the receiving group? Again, it's only been one game, but I, I predicted, I said, let's not be super concerned. Um, they looked great. They were going against a terrible Akron defense, but they did look great. They looked clean. They didn't drop many balls. Um, I mean... I don't even know where to begin with the receiving core. I guess you can start with Shedrick Jackson. I was gonna
1: say Shedrick Jackson, even though he didn't catch a touchdown pass, he still had a career day. Five receptions for seventy-nine yards. Before halftime, he had already surpassed his career highs. I think three receptions for 37 yards was his previous career high. And that was probably in the Iron Bowl. It it, it was. Yeah. Or it might have been the Northwestern game. Okay. In the Iron Bowl, he had a big catch. And I don't know. I just really think that Shed Jackson is that was kind of his coming out party. Yeah. Now, obviously, as you said. The opponent, you always has to keep that in mind. That's why we're saying cautiously, cautiously optimistic. optimistic. But we've never seen that from Shed Jackson. We've never seen what we saw from Kobe Hudson or John Samuel Schenker. And obviously Javarius Johnson and Demetrius Robertson. It was their first really time as a, in an Auburn uniform. But still, looking back at Shed Jackson, he was the blocking receiver. That's what he was. But now he's actually getting receptions. And I think part of that is a scheme because we saw that ball go all over the field it wasn't every single time a bubble screen it wasn't always the out routes I mean they were running digs they were running slants they were running all kinds of routes that we really didn't see with Gus Malzahn's offense that now Mike Bobo has implemented and I think it's really getting the receivers open
0: I think I think you make a good point about his whole career so far Jackson's been a guy that has been relied on in the run game for outside blocking for blocking downfield now under Brian Harson, he's really getting to showcase what he was like at Hoover High School. True. Being that go-to receiver, he's also the oldest receiver in the room. Actually, no, Demetrius Robertson, but he's one of the older guys in the room. He's
1: the most Auburn experience.
0: Yes, and he finally, like Jacob said, got to show what kind of hands he has, what capabilities he can do in this offense, where he can be put. Had five catches for nearly 80 yards, um, but again, he looked very
1: sure-handed. There were a few passes that he caught from Bo that weren't, thrown very well that 42 yard pass that pass was fine but it was still he had that Akron defender on him it wasn't yeah. like he was completely open like those first pass of the game was I, behind his receiver yes and I don't know how Shed caught it but even, I mean even Kobe Hudson that touchdown pass I think it was a little bit behind yeah. him but I, I really think that Shed Jackson 42 yard reception that's what told me this dude can catch yeah and he can play yeah and he's going to be The man for Bo next this year. Now, of course, we said last week that'd be Demetrius Robertson, but I don't know about that. I think Robertson is going to have an impact, but
0: not as big as him. She
1: Jackson looks good.
0: Through the injuries he's battled at Auburn, he deserves. One last year before he leaves the plane. Absolutely, uh, I mean, he's Bo
1: Jackson's nephew.
0: Yeah, come on, <laughs> go ahead and build him a statue. Right. Um, other receivers had a great game. Like we mentioned, Javarius Johnson, three catches for 51 yards and a touchdown. He also received so, a few
1: punts. He was so open on that touchdown. Yes, he was. I mean, I think it was within two seconds of the snap. I was in. I was in the radio booth for this game, and I was able to see just him cut across. As soon as I saw him cut, I mean, the, the safety on the left was already drifting over, and I was like, "Yep, that's a touchdown." So. I really think that the routes are good. Of course, I don't know if he was going to be that wide open against an Alabama or an Ole Miss even, but it was still good to see him get open and Bo Nix put that ball in the money. Yeah, Javarius Johnson, I mean, the guy of the spring. It was finally time for Auburn fans
0: to see him. It's his third year on the Plains. He classifies as a sophomore. Um, But nonetheless, had a great game. Like Jacob said, he was getting open the entire game. It was nice to see him run around the field and fielding those punts. I don't know if it's going to be him – um, was it Demetrius Robertson or uh, Donovan
1: Kaufman that was also fielding punts in the second half of the game? Demetrius Robertson had a punt return, but I think Kaufman can do it as well. He's the kick returner, Kaufman is. Yes. So I think he can probably do punt returns as
0: well. But nonetheless, Javarius Johnson was the first guy out there to receive a few yeah. punts. Um, but also, like Jacob said, Kobe Hudson caught a touchdown. He was wide open on his. John Samuel Shanker, that's one guy I wanted to touch on for when moved. A tight end? I mean, Five receptions? it seemed like a few of those catches were the same play but they worked regardless. They I think did. it was a lot of downfield routes and he was more of a
1: safety route. Well, I think the interesting thing was there was a lot of a lot of a lot of tight ends in the game. You yeah. saw Luke Deal, you saw Brandon Frazier. Oh my gosh, that Shaun package. From, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean the the Oh the, my gosh. The 23 personnel is <laughs> incredible. Two running backs and then three tight ends like holy cow. And yes, it's please. it's not nu- it's not to see after the last 8 years. And I'm interested to see how the other tight ends that did play are going to be involved in the passing game. Because I think we know Luke Deal. Luke he, Deal, he's he played a end. lot. Tyler Fromm played a lot. He did. I mean, And I think that Brandon Fraser has a spot because of how big he is. Landon King, I think he played a little bit. Garbage time. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see which guys really get involved in the passing game other than John Samuel Shanker.
0: Nonetheless, it looked amazing to finally see more than maybe one tight end catch in a game. And again, and it wasn't
1: like a throwback screen. No, the The tight end was running routes. Yes,
0: it was. He was running routes, and it wasn't a wheel route by Chandler Cox. (laughs) It's another dynamic of the Bobo offense that I think we can get used to for as long as he's here. Um, But nonetheless, it was very cool to see that. I've got to stop saying nonetheless. (laughs) Anyways, nonetheless, (laughs) nonetheless, (laughs) let's move on to the Auburn defense and. Also, just where do you where do you start with the defense as well? I
1: don't know. I the the players of the week defensively, I think were Zacoby McClain and T D Moultrie. T D Moultrie, I mean, yes. T D Moultrie was, and I I don't know. It's it it's one of those things that I think that it was such an all around team effort that you got to talk about them as a whole. Exactly. They got pressure on the quarterback. Well, I think the pass defense they didn't tackle well.
0: Well, starting you have to start with the first pos- first few possessions of the game. Early on, especially when you go back and look at the game film, Akron got a few first downs, yeah. and the Auburn def- uh, defense defense really needed to settle in. Once the Auburn defense settled in and dug their cleats into the ground, that was when we really started seeing them make an impact.
1: And I think that Harrison said it in his post-game presser exactly about that, about those first possessions where they were getting first downs on third down. He said that was Akron's scripted plays. We knew that they were going to be good with those plays. But the fact that the defense settled in is what's encouraging is because yeah, yeah, they, they gave those first downs, but as soon as they got close to midfield, they really didn't let them get past that point. And then of course, from that second or third position on until the backups came in, I mean, it was dominant. Yeah. It was not even close. Akron was not able to move the ball. Uh, come totally. They rushed for negative three yards. Part of that is because of sacks, but still they just were not able to run the ball at all. And, Part of that is because of Auburn's defensive line.
0: You could contribute the first few first downs on third downs from Akron, uh, maybe to Auburn's nerves a little bit, knocking rust off, Mm -hmm. giving them a benefit of the doubt. Nonetheless, though, God, if I say nonetheless one more
1: (laughs) time. Nonetheless. Moving on to the defensive backs, whatever you want to talk about. In point of the (laughs) D-line.
0: The D-line did look really great. One guy that really stuck out. Well, first of all, I'm going to make two points real quick. T.D. Moultrie, all over the field. Yeah. I mean, it seemed like that dude was in on everything when he was on the field. Three tackles for loss. Yeah. I mean, big. And that's a guy who I think he said in his press conference this week that the reason he hadn't settled in his first four years at Auburn, because this is his fifth year here, was just that nerves, and he didn't believe in himself, and he wasn't studying the game. And he's finally doing all those things, and you're seeing that product on the field. So that's number one. Number two – Somebody that really surprised me, a guy that had a lot of potential coming out of high school, didn't play as a true freshman last year, Romelo Height. Okay. I mean, he he had a good game, and I believe he was the third highest-ranked pass rusher on PPF this past week. Or PFF. Yeah. Or what is it? It's is pro football. Pro football focus. focus PFF. Uh, but he was the third highest-rated pass rusher
1: through their database. It was interesting to see him get in the game because I really liked that rotation. I think Moultrie can play the defensive end spot a little better than Hall and Romello can, but the fact uh, having Hall and Height just rotate in and out is such a great rotation to have. Two tall bucks, I mean. And they're athletic. And long, I mean. I mean, I just don't see why you would change that at any point because they look so good doing right. it. I don't know. We'll see how it translates. Penn State will be a big test for them because yeah. it looks like that. The offense last year for Penn State, not good at all. I feel like they've improved a little bit this year where they, they're going to protect the quarterback a little bit better. We saw that on Saturday with Penn State and Wisconsin. But the big thing is just those third downs because the edge defender is pretty much been the most important position for Auburn in the last several years where it seems like when that guy is playing well, that defense is unstoppable, is impenetrable. You know, we, we know what the linebackers can do. We knew what the defensive backs could do when we had Jamel Dean and we had Carlton Davis, and then we had Deshaun Davis at linebacker, and Trey Williams, and guys like that. We knew what we were getting from them. It was always the edge whenever, whether it was Big Cat Bryant, Jeff Holland, Carl Lawson, whoever it was. Whenever they played well, that Auburn defense was successful. Yeah, and another part of that D-line that Auburn has had success
0: in the past few years is D-tackle and nose tackle. I mean, we haven't even mentioned about the two transfer starting D-linemen, Tony Fair and Marcus Harris. I mean... What a first quarter they had. You didn't really see much of them after the first quarter for whatever reason. Uh, Several guys were getting shifted in and out, which is also encouraging.
1: Um, But, I mean, they had a huge impact up the middle as well. They did. And, I, you know, part of it is just they outmatched the Akron offensive line. And that's not going to happen every week. It'll probably happen again this week. But you still have to look at the fact that they did what they were supposed to do. Because... Whenever they get that feeling, okay, this is what works, this is what doesn't work, then they're going to be able to use that to prepare for Penn State in the bigger SEC games. So, I don't know. I'm not, That's one thing that I've really, you know, in the trenches, especially especially in the middle of the trenches, it's tough to really judge because, I mean, Auburn just outmatches accurately, like crazy there. I still am excited because of what they showed and how good they were at doing it. Right. Exactly.
0: Auburn defense, linebackers, obviously, Jacoby McClain and we knew what to expect. <laughs> um, it was also nice seeing Chandler Wooten back out
1: there. Yes, it was. And he
0: also did not stop playing uh, towards the end of the game when a lot of the first stringers
1: were out. Yeah, probably to probably get his uh, get his feet wet. Yeah, Continue doing that because he hasn't played for a year. Yeah,
0: it's nice having him back out there in the secondary. I think the big thing was seeing guys out there like Donovan Kaufman, uh, Roe Terrence. By Darius Knighton. By Darius Knighton. I think one big thing to know also was Riley texted me this during the game. He asked me uh, if Ladarius Tennyson was hurt. I don't think he was hurt, but he will be back this week.
1: Yes. Uh, The same goes for who was offensively. It was a receiver. I can't remember his name, but he was out. But Harson said he should be. Oh, uh,
0: Tavares Dawson, the freshman.
1: So those were the two injuries. Obviously also – during the game, Kobe Wooden and Jalen Simpson both went down with injuries. Wooden returned to the game. Simpson did not, but he was on the sideline in uniform. And I so. think he'll I think he's good to go too. Yeah, he should be.
0: No super big injuries knock on Wood so far for Auburn. Um I guess one last thing or one last question I'd ask you is overall, what would you rate
1: Auburn's performance this past Saturday? I would say, I mean, they did exactly what they're supposed to do. So it's hard not to give them an A plus, honestly, because you just you can't be too critical because of who they were playing. It was week one, and the in first a new game. head coach's era, exactly. So it's hard not to do that. Now that's not me saying, "Oh, Auburn's going to the SEC championship." Now it's just they did exactly what they had to do. They went out, they did their jobs, they dominated the opponent, and you never had any doubt. And there was never anything during the game where he said, "Oh, that that that's 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 concerning." Besides I didn't have, the
0: first missed extra point.
1: Okay, Anders. I, I honestly, Anders.
0: <laughs> I honestly didn't know he missed it because in the student section we were all still going crazy you know for the funny? touchdown. What? Andy, he said it, the extra point is good, and everyone's like, he just assumed it was in. Yeah, we, we, Well, we all turned. We all turned around. <coughs> excuse me. We all turned around, and uh, Tristan Waters looks at me and goes, "Did we miss the extra point?" I look at the scoreboard and I'm like, "Oh no, they just probably haven't added it yet." <laughs> and kickoff is starting to ensue. We're all doing the War Eagle, and he looks at me and goes. Hey man, I don't think he made I that. I think he missed that.
1: No, I I didn't realize it too. I think only two or three people in the press box were actually watching it. Probably I think the spotter was. And he he nudged Andy and said, No. Yeah, and he's like, he didn't make that. He missed it. The third missed extra point of Andres Carlson's career. The
0: second one was to end the show.
1: No, who we would have been the first one.
0: Oh, was that the first one? Yeah. Oh, wait, you're right. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. the first one. His first missed extra point was in twenty nineteen when he ended the like literally the kick after he ended that streak.
1: <laughs> Auburn had the most consecutive extra points made in history. And Carlson set it in the Arkansas game. The next extra point he kicked, he missed, missed it. Missed to end it. Incredible. <laughs> I'm going to set it, and then I'm going to end it. <laughs> Carlson, he's a legend. Yeah. Did you see the cameo he had? No. Someone, oh, wait, I did, where he had, was the Bo this the year. Yeah. <laughs> Bo Nix has improved so much under this new offense. Thank God for the NIL. Right. I mean, you <laughs> get stuff like that. It's great. Um, um, but, no, I, I, I'm going to give Auburn an A. Yeah. That's... The only thing you can do because there was no really concerning. There's nothing that really stuck out to me. Yeah, everything went as planned. It went smoothly, and I, I never had any doubt in my mind during that
0: game. Yeah, mine mine'd be an A too. Just because, like you said, keeping the opponent in mind can't be too critical due to the circumstances. I'd give it an A. Um, like I said, nothing concerned me really, and just as you mentioned, the entire game it was never in doubt. Um, but yeah, overall, Auburn is up one to nothing on the season. They move into the AP poll. They are now ranked 25th, uh, in the nation. And this Saturday morning at 11 a.m., you better be up bright and early because at this time on Saturday morning, we will be in Jordan Hare Stadium as Auburn hosts the Alabama State Hornets for the second time in history.
1: The first time being our freshman year. It was. And that was a dominant game from Auburn. Was, li- was it not the last time Auburn scored 60 points? Was it until this um, past week? Um, you might be right about that. I believe so.
0: No, did what about, uh, uh liberty freshman year
1: i'm pretty sure it was 53 points
0: that's the only one i could think of. sanford they didn't liberty would have been the only other one i would have thought of yeah and Tulane they didn't and then uh kent state they didn't either nope yeah you so might be right
1: they they scored <laughs> kind of almost bookends of our auburn careers <laughs> yeah. they, they scored 60 on so it, it was good to see auburn put up that performance but the weather's gonna be perfect on saturday
0: Yes, it will be 11 a.m. and it was great this past Saturday. It was no it was. complaints there. No, it was. I think it was like mid 80s. Yeah, and still a little Usually,
1: hot. usually it's mid 90s. Yeah, so we're we ain't complaining.
0: You're not. You're in the air conditioned press box. Well,
1: well, what about pregame in the? Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Prior. <laughs> yeah, it it was still a little toasty. I was a, uh, it was a little hot out there. No, Nonetheless, it, I I got I broke a sweat running up there.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, I mean you were working. Oh yeah, hard hard working. Saturday morning, 11 a.m. And a TV station. Do we have a designation for that? I
1: can't remember off the top of my Should head. Should be SEC Network.
0: Yeah, it's one of them. If you got SEC Network SEC Plus Network. last week, okay, SEC Network. This Saturday morning, Auburn hosts Alabama State at home. The second game um, in the Brian Harson era. The Brian Harson that came over to the student section after the game and praised them for their energy and their effort.
1: Who was the guy in the suit? I had no idea. Wait, what guy in the suit? So Harson was obviously he was pumping up the crowd. He did he did the one and oath mentality thing. There was a guy in a blue, it might have been plaid jacket. He's wearing a mask. Um, he didn't have a hat on. He might have had a hat on. I don't think he did. But he was he was getting pumped up with Harson. It was it was. I no show idea. me the
0: video when we get out. of the I, will. Studio I have no I, idea who. It was. I haven't even noticed that. Show me that video when we leave. I will. Um, second game in the Brian Harson era at home, Jordan Hare Stadium, 11 a.m. Auburn hosts Alabama State. Now we're going to get back to on the scoreboard our preview of Week 2 in the college football world, upcoming games, predictions, analysis, live here on the scoreboard, WEGL
1: 91.1 FM. We're already halfway done with the scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM. You can find more Weagle content at weaglefm.com or on social media at Weagle underscore AU. Welcome back into the scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM or WEGLFM.com. Bay, Marks, sitting to my left, Jacob Hillman. As we just finished up our discussion of week one in college football, if you're listening to the podcast, we just finished our discussion of Auburn's victory over Akron. But now let's look ahead to week two because this is where the biggest improvements happen in college football. Every college football coach will probably tell you that. Week one to week two. It's kind of like year one to year two. This is where your big improvements happen, and this is where we're going to see what every team is made of.
0: I can't wait till Coastal Carolina hosts Kansas and
1: oh tomorrow wins. night. Yeah. I mean it's hilarious that Coastal Carolina is a 26 and a half point favorite. That <laughs> is a big 12 team. That is hilarious. Yeah. I I mean I honestly I just go ahead and get into the Do they shit. cover? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm glad we're on they the same do. page. I mean didn't Kansas they beat they beat South Dakota by 3. Yeah. Yeah, it was a uh... And I mean Marcus Harris's old team, by the way, Coastal Carolina, who had a good performance. We talked about him a little bit in our pre-recorded segment about Auburn versus Akron, but Grayson McCall is still on Coastal Carolina, so I'm not doubting them. But week two, there's one major matchup, and then the rest of the slate it's a little lackluster, but you still got some matchups that are fun to talk about.
0: Yeah, you got you got a few uh, a few okay ones. I mean. Biggest one, obviously, being Oregon and Ohio State, I'm assuming, is what you're referencing. Correct. Um, we also have a few 10 a.m. and 10.30 games. Oh, wait, do we get the late night games? No, a.m. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I've ever seen that before. That's, is it? A, wait, who is it? It's uh, Illinois at Virginia's at 10, and then Army plays at 10.30, and Kent State plays at 10.30. Incredible. Um, but we have the Oregon-Ohio State matchup. Um, Auburn's obviously at 11 a.m. for all of you Auburn fans. Then you have games um, like the Iowa-Iowa State game is where game, game day, day is going to be at. I mean, you have a few okay matchups within you know, like the
1: Texas and Arkansas game. Well, we'll go ahead and start making our predictions. And we'll start. Nothing tomorrow night. Yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and go to Saturday with that Oregon-Ohio State game. We'll get that one out of the way. I think we know where we're going with it. Yeah. But does Ohio State, does Oregon put up any kind of fights? I think they will.
0: Um, I think, I think the, fr- I think, Let's see. How do I phrase this? Ohio State's obviously going to win. What's the spread? 14 and a half. Okay, they're going to cover. But I think early in the game is where Oregon keeps it close just because it's week two. I mean, teams are still figuring out an identity. I think early it's close at home for Ohio State, but I think Stroud and Olave and the gang, I think the Buckeyes kind of open it up in the second half and they cover that spread. I think this game also would have been a lot more
1: exciting Two years ago. Oh, for sure.
0: Justin Fields and Justin Herbert going
1: at I it. believe it was actually scheduled to be played last year, which Fields, at least. But, yeah. yeah but I mean, you don't have they, Herbert. They pushed it, yeah. I, I, I think this game's going to be a shootout, and I think that's the reason Oregon will keep it close, and I think they're going to keep it within that 14.5-point spread. It might be 14 points, but I think that both teams are just going to score a lot of points. I think both defenses are still going to be taking their time to really – Get in the groove of things, especially Ohio State's, which is why Oregon will be able to keep up. I mean, Ohio State gave up 400 yards to to a Minnesota team. I mean, 500, I should say.
0: And Oregon also didn't even look super impressive against Fresno.
1: I know that, but I just think that the offense is good enough. No, yeah, I yeah. agreed. Yeah, yeah. Andrew It'll... Browns, C.J. Burdell, yeah. they're going to get it done. It won't be to win, but they're going to keep it respectable. What's the, Do we have an over-under? 63 and a half.
0: <laughs> Ooh, what do we feel about that?
1: I think it hits the over. I think so, too. I think that Ohio State will score about 40-45, and then Oregon will be about 28-31. Yeah, I agree. I think it would be a 40-something to 30-something kind of game. Um, but give me the Buckeyes on that one. Another 11 a.m. game. This one is very interesting. Pitt, Tennessee, you got the chaotic. Pitt, Panthers, coming south to Neyland. Will Tennessee back up a pretty good win against Bowling Green? With what would be their biggest win since uh, they came to Jordan hare a few years ago, and beat Pitt. If we had Jared Diller on the show right now, we know where he'd be going with this. Oh, for sure. And I, I mean,
0: I mean, are we not going with it? No, I'm saying we are too. Yeah, okay. but some people are high on Tennessee and Josh Hypel for some reason. I like what I saw from Tennessee.
1: Uh, yeah. I liked it. I'm not saying they're going to be contending for the SEC East in the next two years. No. But it's a step in the right direction.
0: Agreed. But Pitt, I mean, we're going to go ahead and pick Pitt. Yeah, Pitt, and I think... I mean, their quarterback picket last week was 27-37 for nearly 302 scores. See,
1: what I should mention is I like Joe Milton. I mean, he was only 11 for 23, not very efficient. But 139s for 139 yards, touchdown, no picks. He didn't mess up. And he ran the ball pretty well, 14 carries for 44 yards and two touchdowns. He's a bigger body, too, so I think they can do some dynamic things with him and their offense. Yeah, I just think it's going to take some time. And, you know, it's funny because everyone was, why couldn't Milton do this at Michigan? I mean, he didn't do anything special last week. We'll see what he's made of against Pitt because not that Pitt's some crazy good defense, but it's still better than Bowling Green. He is considering Bowling Green is the – one team that Akron has beat in the last two yeah. seasons, yeah. That that's how that's gonna go. But we're both rolling with the Panthers. Oh yeah, I mean the blue and gold. When are you not?
0: Yeah. Moon. On this on this show, we have we have two rules. Okay. We always bet the over,
1: and we always pick pit. and we pull for Scorigami. and Scorgami. In this house, we root for Scorigami. Three rules. All right. Here's here's another interesting game. This is in the SEC. Texas A and M, Colorado. Texas A and gonna win, but what did we see? from Haynes King last week. That makes us think that Texas A&M is number 5 in the country.
0: Somebody posted somebody posted a picture of him and it's kind of funny because I have an intramural game later and they said this looks like the dude that be starting on the intramural fields every night. Yeah. I mean, he
1: I don't really know what to think about him. He had three picks, but he also threw for 300 yards. So, See, and, and the issue with this game is I just don't see Colorado putting up any kind of fight. I don't
0: know either. I think Texas a and still going to win. Um, I mean, obviously with their defense as well, I think that their defense is going to just suffocate again. Colorado, another one
1: of those good defenses this year. Yeah, I mean, Colorado's win against Northern Colorado was not really inspiring. 100 yards passing, 280 yards rushing, that's what you should do. So I'm not – this doesn't make me think, okay – Look out, Texas A&M. But I do think that Texas A&M is going to cover that 17-point spread.
0: I think this will be a game that's won on the ground. I will say that. I don't think there's going to be won through the air by either team just because I don't for sure have confidence. I mean, in. Isaiah
1: Spiller, yeah, he's going to be running
0: wild. So whatever team can run the ball the best, and I think that's going to be A&M behind a good, a good O-line, I'll take the Aggies.
1: Yeah, and and now I will say I think it might be a slow start while Texas A&M adjusts to the Denver the altitude. Air, yeah. Because they're yeah, playing at the Broncos Stadium, right? They are, yeah. How high? So, we'll we'll see how that start goes. But we're gonna scroll down to the three thirty, ABC game, Iowa Iowa State game day. You know, be honest, I I don't like Iowa State that much. Yeah, I really don't. After that uninspiring showing against Northern Iowa. Give me the Hawkeyes. Well, and I think. Give me the Hawkeyes. I think. Did
0: you pick Indiana last week against the Hawkeyes? I think I picked Iowa. I didn't know what I had to feel about them last week, but I had some underlying confidence, and I'm just going to pick them again because I'm on the same page as you. I didn't really like what I saw at Iowa last week, um, and I really just like the Hawkeyes again. I think that showing against Indiana Week One says a lot about them and how prepared they were. I think on the road Week Two unless Iowa State just brings some sort of super hostile crowd, which, I mean... They will. They will,
1: but not enough, in my opinion, to throw them off the rail. I really like what Iowa did against the Indiana offense. I mean, Michael Penix Jr. only threw for a 14, for 31, for 156 yards and three picks. I mean, that that's... You can't ask for anything more from your defense. And then, of course, Tyler Goodson, 19 carries for 100 yards and a touchdown. I like Iowa, and I think that they get it straight up. Yeah. And it, it's it's... Iowa could be that sleeper in the Big Ten, like it seems like they always are, but then they collapse somehow. They're always like the third or fourth best team when when it's all said and done. True. So we'll we'll see how Iowa performs on Saturday. And I think that'll give us a clearer outlook on how the rest of their season will go. But let's move into the night. Arkansas, Texas. Arkansas hosting the Longhorns. It's a nostalgic matchup. It is. And it's gonna be it's kind of a future matchup. (laughs) Yeah, it uh, is. It really is. Eventually. But you know, I picked Louisiana to beat Texas last week, but Hudson Card looked pretty good going 14 for 21 for 224 yards and two touchdowns in his first start as a long carn quarterback. Where are we going with this one?
0: I'm really torn right down the middle. I think I'm going to go
1: Texas. I truly think I'm going to go Texas to win on the road. See, I think that Bijan Robinson, he's going to do his work against Arkansas. I think Arkansas is still just a few steps away from being able to contend with these I'm not going to pretend that Texas is always this top 15 team, but they're still uh, quite a bit away from being able to beat a team like this to really elevate themselves.
0: I think this matchup's going to be a lot closer than people think. I think a lot of people think just because Texas is ranked and Arkansas isn't that it might not be as close. I truly want to see Steve Sarkeesian just open up the playbook. Um, Seeing what he's done at Alabama, I really think – Coming into Saturday, I think the Texas Longhorns will have a good offensive game plan. Because here's the deal. He played against Sargeson in the SEC, obviously, and Sam Pittman has a feel for him. Um, I think Steve Sarkisian is going to have a nice game plan as the head coach of the Longhorns. And I think the offense is what's going to make the difference in the game.
1: All right. We're going to go pretty quickly on these last few picks. Mississippi State, NC State, Mississippi State escaped Louisiana Tech. I mean, do we really think that Will Rogers is the answer at quarterback? It looked like it statistically, but... I don't know, the offense didn't show up until the fourth quarter.
0: Yeah, just because Mississippi State was so close to losing against uh, Louisiana Tech last week and it came down to a field goal at the last second for them to miss, I'm going
1: to go with uh, North Carolina State. I'm also taking the Wolf Pack. And then late at night, there is the Holy War, Utah, BYU. Pretty sure BYU, they had that big game against Arizona in Nevada. Does this count as Pac-12 after dark? Oh, yeah absolutely are you got a Pac-12 team in it now of course BYU is a future Big 12 team yes because tomorrow and we're not gonna talk about it but tomorrow there'll be four teams joining the Big 12 but yes this is Pac-12 after dark <laughs> yeah um
0: I'm gonna go ahead and go with Utah obviously I know it's at BYU um I don't know I just like the Utes I think they've got it done or they're gonna get it done excuse me um Brewer looked like he played really well last week with 230 and two scores and a pick. Um, I think their offense is a little bit more consistent than BYU's is going to be this year. So go ahead and give me the Utes.
1: I also like Utah. I just think that BYU, Arizona's not a good team. I think BYU's going to take some time to get over missing Zach Wilson. I agree. I think there's one more game I want to pick. Yeah, you know, this is a big one. Colorado State Vanderbilt. Do we think that <laughs> Vanderbilt is going to lose out west? Because they're traveling out there. <laughs> is it, is it going to happen? Let's just, yes. Give me the Rams. Yeah. Let's just say, just for the scoreboard's sake, Vandy does lose. On the other side of this break, we start the NFL discussion. The last 30 minutes is all NFL and all of our predictions. You're listening to The Scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM. Thank you for tuning in to The Scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. You can find The Scoreboard podcast on Apple,
0: Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcasts. Welcome back to the School Board, WEGL 91.1 FM, or you are streaming live on WeagleFM.com. We welcome you to the program. Bay Marks, as always, with Jacob Hillman. And if you want to call into the studio in the Albany University Student Center in the Bradley-based-in Weagle Studio, Jacob and I can take your call at 334-844-9345. 334-844-9345. That spells Weagle for the last four digits. Okay. Got all the college football banter out of us for the day. Jacob, we are moving on to the NFL segments of today's show. First, we're going to go ahead and get into division winners, MVP picks, Super Bowl picks, all that great stuff. And then in segment four, if you stick around with us to the end of the show, we're going to go ahead and start previewing uh, the first few games of the season. So um, stick around with us for that. But for now, like I said, we're going to get into division winners, MVP odds, uh, not World Series, I guess the World Championship of football. (laughs) Sorry. Well, I mean... Now you're on.
1: Close enough. I mean, I think I didn't say anything important. Yeah. I was just laughing at you. Well, you're not important anyways. Whatever.
0: Um, But yeah, we're going to get into all that good stuff. So let's just go ahead and let's just do MVP. Let's knock MVP out and we can start talking about Team Y. So um, honestly, if you're going to look at this year, it's honestly very... uh, You can make an argument for any of the guys really in the top... 10 guys that might be likely for an MVP this year.
1: Yeah, and and, and looking at the odds, you know, there's guys like Matthew Stafford and Justin Herbert in the top 10. Don't know about those guys just because of everyone else around them. And Her- Herbert's just too early. Stafford, I feel like it's too late with a new team. Whereas the Mahomes, the Rodgers, the Josh Allens, the Russell Wilsons, mm. the Tom Brady's, the Dak Prescott's, if he recovers from his injury. The only Calimari. thing I will say about Stafford is just, I think the McVay
0: hype is what's propelled him to be that's fair so likely
1: but do we really buy the McVay hype after what happened to Jared Goff the last two years
0: yeah so I, yeah that's what I'm saying there's a lot of different guys a lot of different scenarios a lot of different arguments you can make um Trey Lance has a high or has the same odds as Alvin Kamara and Ben Roethlisberger and Saquon Barkley and Cam Newton and Daniel Jones to win the Heisman or not the Heisman the NFL MVP
1: Well, Um, let's say there's a defensive player higher than than him. It doesn't look like it. There's not. The highest defensive player up there is probably, yeah, it's Aaron Donald, plus 10,000, so. Yeah. Is there a sleeper? Let's start with that. Is there a sleeper that you think is going to contend, or you think he's going to be pretty chalk? You know, the only guy, he's not a
0: sleeper, but it's not, okay, how do I phrase this? I think Josh Allen is probably a guy that a lot of people are going to be picking Mahomes or A-Rod or Tom Brady or. Um, whatnot, but I think Josh Allen is going to have a solid year in the in the east of his division, in well, the, or AFC East.
1: I agree with that sleeper because it's my actual pick. I think Josh Allen is going to win the MVP this year. Okay. I love the Buffalo Bills. Last year, I mean, I thought they were going to the Super Bowl. This year, I don't know they're going to go to the Super Bowl, but I think the regular season, they're going to tear it up, and I think that's going to lead to a Josh Allen MVP. My sleeper, on the other hand, I'll consider Justin Herbert the sleeper just because I think he'll have those good enough games. He'll have those highs where everyone's MVP, but then he'll have the games where he doesn't perform up to MVP standards.
0: The Packer inside of me wants to pick Aaron Rodgers as my MVP. I mean...
1: I'm not going to after the offseason we've had, but... That's that's the thing. It's just such a weird... I think he's going to absolutely be outstanding, but I don't know if he's going to be an MVP. Don't boo
0: me, but my my MVP pick is Patrick Mahomes. Safe pick. No, I, mean, I mean, I just think after what happened last year, and I think... What the Chiefs did in the offseason, I think they are primed to have a again, another solid regular season. And I think in the offseason, or not the offseason, the postseason, I think Mahomes and his maturity is just going to tear it up, especially after playing the GOAT and getting beaten in the Super Bowl as bad as they did. Yeah. I just think Patrick Mahomes is going to have a lot of maturity coming from him. And I think he's going to put a solid product on the field. Um, but in my order, I think He'll win it and then I think Josh Allen would be my second pick. I wouldn't pick A Rod or Tom Brady. I've got him flip-flopped. I've got Allen, then I've got Mahomes. Yeah. So. I if I'm gonna be honest, I think it might be past A Rod's days of winning
1: MVP. I yeah, think last year was his last I, year. See, I'm I'm more focused on what the Packers are gonna do as a team and I think they're gonna perform well. I I mean, I feel like they're a lot to win the division and they're probably gonna win that divisional game, mm-hmm. depending on who they get matched up with. Yeah. It's just a matter of can he get past the NFC championship.
0: Well, let's go ahead and start getting into that. Uh that part of our show for the day is we're gonna go ahead and get into like division winners Super Bowl picks so let's go ahead let's start out with everybody's favorite division and just get it over with I know what it is NFC East yes the least <laughs> the NFC least we have the Giants we have the Eagles we have the Cowboys and we have
1: the Washington football team um Jacob who's your pick I I mean honestly this is just the weirdest division to pick because you really don't know what I like about the the Washington football team, is that offense. Their skill players are so solid. But what I really like about that team is the defense. Yeah. I. What, I sorry, go ahead. What I'm afraid of is the quarterback
0: situation. Yeah, that's what was going to be my exact point, was their defense is great, but I don't know if Fitzpatrick's the
1: answer. I think that the favorite, for me, is definitely the Cowboys. I think it's their turn. Right there with you, brother. If Dak Prescott stays healthy and he's – not necessarily back to that form at the beginning of last season because last year he was on a historic pace. He was yeah, he was playing solid. Historic pace, but if he does close to that, look out. I think Micah Parsons is gonna be a young stud on that defense. We're I think we're on the exact same page. I think the Cowboys could actually, you know, they're not gonna be fourth in the I don't think they're gonna be the worst division. I think it I think the Cowboys will be good enough to be third and maybe even second.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think we're on the same page. We both like Washington's defense. Um Fitzpatrick is a temporary solution to a permanent problem right, right. now. Um, and I really think, I know we say it every year, but I really think Dallas um, is going to get back into a groove once Dak Prescott gets back yeah. out there. Um, so we have the Cowboys in that division moving on. The NFC North, Jacob just said the Packers, no debate there with me. Yeah. Obviously, it's my Packers. Um, none of the teams in that division are really going to compete. I, I will say, I think the uh, Bears finished second. Because I think, you think Fields comes in. I think Fields comes in, has a solid second half of the season. I think the Vikings fall off and they have a very rough season even with uh Dalvin Cook. You don't think Jared Goff is the savior for the Lions? Dude, come on. Not even with Penay Sewell. Isn't that who they picked at sixth overall? I, I believe so Because yeah. uh Bengals passed up on him at five. Um NFC South, we're gonna go ahead and keep rolling with these. Atlanta Falcons, New Orleans Saints, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Carolina Panthers—the home of the reigning Super Bowl champs.
1: Yeah, those reigning Super Bowl champs probably gonna go fourteen and three this year. Give me the Bucs; they're gonna win this division. I don't know past that. I think there's a lot of question marks. It could be in any order two through four. I really do think that.
0: Your Panthers are they gonna finish last?
1: They could. I think they could. With Sam Darnold, I very see that's the thing. If Sam Darnold shows up a little bit. Hey, there you go. You do get CMC back this year, so keep exactly. that in mind. My and, pick – I, I think that the rest of the skill position players, DJ Moore, he's going to be very good. Robbie Anderson, I think he's got the chemistry with Sam Darnold. The defense looks solid. I just don't know what Sam Darnold's going to do.
0: My pick for this division is going to be uh, the Bucks followed by the Saints. I really think I like what I've seen out of Jameis Winston so far in the preseason, um, but it's not enough to beat the GOAT and virtually everybody back from that team last year. Um, followed by, I think, Atlanta, and then sadly, I'm sorry, but I think the Panthers do finish last. I think CMC does have a great year, though. Yeah, we draw to several wins. That defense does look good, but it's I just I only got not him enough.
1: in one fantasy league, so. That's tough. Well, well, no, nah, I mean, I, that means I got the second pick like one time. So.
0: I think he's going to be the fantasy leader this year. I think I truly think he'll. If he stays healthy. Yeah, if he stays healthy, I think he'll be. Uh, if he
1: doesn't, Chuba Hubbard's going to come for his job.
0: <laughs> and then NFC West, the Rams, Cardinals, 49ers, and Seattle Seahawks. A very tough division to pick, no, I'd No,
1: that's what I was going to say. I mean the Cardinals are long from being the they're they're the least favorite I mean looking at the odds Rams plus 190 49ers plus 175 is the favorite Seahawks are plus 280 the Cardinals are plus 575 yeah and they and they got JJ Watt in the offseason exactly and I mean they got I think they got who's the receiver they got AJ Green Mm -hmm. and they still have D hop I think that that's a team that if you're thinking man I really want to be bold that's the one even though the rest of the teams are good I just think the Cardinals are talented.
0: It's just that's a very tough division. It I, is. I think that they have a long ways to go still personnel-wise. Um, I think they need a lot of help on that defense still. I know they got J.J. Watt, but I'm in agreement with you. I think they do finish last. Uh, my winner of this division, I think I'm just going to chalk it again and just do Seahawks. Um, I think the 49ers have a chance to take that from us. So I think it's going to be very neck-and-neck, like coming down to the last few weeks of the season. Um, but like we were talking about with Stafford earlier, I'm going to have to see McVay prove that he can still win with a veteran quarterback like that um, before I pick them
1: to be close to the top of that division. I'm taking the Niners, and it's going to be Trey Lance time by week five. Really? Yes. Jimmy G's done Yeah, I mean, I for just the think, Niners? I, I don't know what it will be. I don't know if he'll go down with an injury or he's going to throw three picks in a game, but give me Trey Lance at some point this year. Well, Trey Lance was up there in the MVP odds at like he was. 30th favorite.
0: He but, was. But uh, nonetheless, we we differ on that division. Let's go ahead and move on. To the AFC, to the AFC East: Buffalo Bills, Miami Dolphins, New England Patriots, and Jets. I think we both know
1: where we're going because we
0: were just talking about
1: uh, Josh Allen being Josh the MVP. Shallan, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to be the Bills, and I really do think that the Dolphins are going to be special eventually. I think eventually, that it, yeah. it, if Tua develops the way he should, I mean, that defense is solid.
0: I see a ten and seven year out of them.
1: Yeah, I think they're That's a wild card lot. team.
0: Yeah, ten and seven or nine and eight, just above that five hundred mark. But Bills win it, I think. The Jets still, I mean, they're the Jets. I think Zach Wilson will have an okay year. He still has yeah. to learn a lot, but. Um,
1: same the, with, I think same with Mac Jones at New England. They'll be better because he has better talent around
0: him. But I th- and a, a weird thing is a lot of people are hyping New England a lot ever since the Mac Jones news came out, which I just They'll can't buy check. into yet. They'll I know, but. <sighs> that, still, that's what it is. Yeah. But I still need to see a little bit more to him. So Buffalo Bills winning that division. AFC North, the Bengals, Browns,
1: Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Baltimore Ravens, yet another competitive division. I was going to say, this is about as tough as the NFC West, if not a little bit more tough because, I mean, the Ravens and the Browns, they're, they're the two front runners. And I feel like they are on the same exact track. They're on the same exact pace. And it really will probably come down to who wins the matchups between them. I think the Browns win. If I do too, and I think if the Browns go two and zero against the Ravens, like I think that's what it comes down to. If a team goes two and if they go two and zero against each other, one way or the other, that team wins the division. If yeah. they go one and one, then it's just going to come down to the other games. Like yeah. I think the Browns, alert, I'm picking the Browns to beat the Chiefs, and I think that that will make a huge difference down the road. So
0: I think the Browns edge out the Ravens, but just barely. I think the J.K. Dobbins injury says a lot um, about why I picked them as well. I know they, I think they just signed LeVeon on Bell, they did. but. You know, he hasn't really been the same. So. I don't
1: know. Yeah, he wasn't the same him. in Kansas City. Um, they didn't really use him well, but. It will be nice to see Joe Burrow back out there, though, this year. I look forward to seeing what excitement they bring. Did you see what Jamar Chase said about catching NFL football? What? It's more difficult than in college football because you can't see the white stripes. The white
0: stripes? I knew it was going to be something about the white stripes.
1: That's so weird. It's a, I mean, hey, heck of an excuse for a guy that dropped the ball like three times in his first preseason game, but like. It's almost like he was the on, fifth man. overall pick. Go, come on, man. That's a terrible excuse. Two divisions left, real quick. Let's go with AFC South. Who are you picking? Titans. Obvious. Eric Henry. Yeah. yeah. Now the go le- pick against them. Real
0: question, real quick, what do the Jaguars look like this year?
1: Uh really bad, but Trevor Lawrence shines.
0: Yeah. I'd say they get five wins. Four or five wins. I would I'm leaning towards four. I think they'll be better than the Texans.
1: Oh my gosh, yeah. So the Texans are an absolute disaster. Could right they be now. the first
0: team to go 0 seventeen?
1: That'd so cool. yeah. That would be so cool. That would be so cool.
0: It would be. <laughs> AFC West, Kansas City Chiefs, Las Vegas Raiders, Los Angeles
1: Chargers, and the Denver Broncos. So, this division, I think, is where we see the Chargers and Justin Herbert really make their name felt. They contend for a wild card spot. They don't quite get it, but obviously we're picking the Chiefs the to Chiefs. win the division. I, I just think it's Justin Herbert, He's he's special.
0: I think you see a lot of growth in him this year, for and sure. they push for a wild card spot as well. First year, um,
1: second year. That's where the growth happens. Now,
0: Super Bowl matchup and your pick real quick. Yeah. Chiefs-Packers. Chiefs and Packers? Yeah. I'm going to go Homer as well and say Packers. Um, I think the Chiefs, is it going to be the Chiefs or the Bills?
1: I think the Chiefs beat the Bills in the AFC Championship.
0: I'm going to pick Packers for the win at all.
1: Okay. I, you know what, I'm going to Just Chiefs, a Homer pick. Chiefs coming back.
0: Yeah. <laughs> on the other side of the break, we'll look at week one in the NFL. Baymarks and Jacob Homan with our live predictions
1: on the scoreboard. Weagle 91.1 FM. One more segment before we turn off the scoreboard for the day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. We
0: hope you have enjoyed listening. You can listen to us every Thursday at 2 p.m. on WEGL 91.1
1: FM or at WEGLFM.com. Welcome back into The Scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM or WEGLFM.com. Jacob Hillman sitting alongside Bay Marks as we enter the final segment of the show on this beautiful Thursday afternoon. If you miss any of the show, check out the podcast. Wherever you find podcasts, you also find our pre-recorded segment where Bay and I discuss the Auburn-Akron matchup and our takeaways from that. But for this final segment, we are going to predict week one in the NFL, beginning with Thursday night football on NBC. Everybody but the state of Texas is pulling for the Bucks tonight. Are they, though? Because are they pulling for Tom Brady?
0: But the Cowboys.
1: It's which one do you hate more, Tom Brady it, or the Cowboys? Yeah, it's a lose lose for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a lose lose for a lot of people. Yeah. Personally, I don't hate either of them too much. It's just it is what it is. Yeah. And you know, I I think that the Bucks are going to come out a little bit slow. I think the Cowboys are going to be kind of hyped up with that coming back and 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 really just some excitement around that team so I'm not picking the Cowboys I'm picking them to cover I think the Bucs win this game
0: I think the Bucs win too and I know we talked about we have high expectations for Dallas this year not like I mean 13 and 4 high but we have high expectations for them to win their uh NFC least division yes um but it doesn't start tonight I think Tom Brady and them I think they get uh right back to work and pick up where they left off um it's in Tampa Bay yeah so they have home field I think Tampa Bay wins it with ease
1: going to Sunday We'll start out, I'm going down the scores list. First one, Jets-Panthers. You know, I have high hopes for this first game. Because I think Sam Darnold is going to be very motivated. I think that the Panthers team is going to be motivated. As I mentioned, I think that the pieces are coming together for Carolina. I don't think this is the year. This is not the year that the Panthers are going to get a wild card spot. This is the year for anything. other people. though. It is, true. You'll, you can hear about that on the podcast. <laughs> and I think that... Christian McCaffrey, as you said, has a big year. Great fantasy player, puts up a lot of stats, and probably wins the Panthers some games on his own. They're going to beat the Jets, and I think that Zach Wilson has a very solid game. I think this is a shootout, in my opinion. Oh, I do think that. I think we differ. Really? I think it's going to be an ugly game. You think so? I'm sorry. Yeah, I, th- I think it's an ugly game defensively.
0: I think Christian McCaffrey has a okay game back. Nothing crazy, but he's getting his feet wet. Um I think that the Panthers do walk away with a win, but it's not going to be a great game. Okay. I think the Jets still have a lot of a lot of learning to do with their young team, and the Panthers personnel wise aren't great either. But it
1: is one of, if not the lowest so far. I've not found a lower over under at forty four points. Okay, there you go. Dolphins, Patriots. Have, now we'll talk about that later. Forty three and a half. Broncos, Giants, forty one and a half. But yes, Jets, Panthers is the third lowest over under in the league on week one. Moving elsewhere in the NFC South to Atlanta, Eagles, Falcons, Jalen Hurts, Matt Ryan, a lot of movement on these teams. Who are we picking? I think Philadelphia wins.
0: I think on the road, I think Jalen Hurts, after having a full offseason, knowing that he's the guy, and also having Devontae Smith with him, I think that the Eagles are not primed to have a crazy year. And I I have them finishing third in their division, but, I mean, Atlanta's
1: not good. I Their defense, especially.
0: So, they're still rebuilding. I think
1: the Eagles go on the road. And I think Jalen Hurts just, with his athleticism, can help get it done. Exactly. I think that Jalen Hurts has a great game this weekend. And unfortunately, I think it's going to cause a lot of high expectations for him. Too high expectations, as in Eagles fans might freak out and say, holy and cow, just... MVP candidate? No, no. Oh. He, he's a good quarterback. It's the Falcons. He's going to perform the way he should. It doesn't mean he's about to take you guys to the Super Bowl again. So yeah. I've got the Eagles winning this game as well. And I think it's a Jalen Hurts show. They don't have to grease the light poles this year. No. They can wait a few, few years for that one. Big matchup here. Steelers-Bills. Steelers coming off a great regular season, which they fell apart at the end, and a horrible showing in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I think Buffalo at home in this AFC matchup, Josh Allen gets his MVP candidacy underway. Um, up in Buffalo, those fans, I mean, they've, they're they starting to get an, a renewed taste of success. <laughs> they are. And they are hungry for it. Um, And I think Big Ben, he's just... This is his last year. He's kind of on his last
1: legs. I'll tell you, I am not high on the Steelers. I'm not I either. I'm gonna say they'll finish third in their division. Would not surprise me if they finished dead last.
0: I will say I think
1: Najee Harris will have a good game. I, I think do think in his first career game, he'll have a good game. I think Najee throughout the season is gonna he Oh yeah. Offensive rookie of the year, Najee Harris. Yeah. I don't think it'll be any of the quarterbacks. I think it'll be Najee. He could be in the conversation for it. He could be. The
0: only other one I would see would be obviously either
1: Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. Right. Um, but I have the Bills. Vikings. Bengals in Ohio. Speaking of Joe Burrow and his Bengals, I don't think that this will go their way. I think the Vikings are still a good team. Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins, Adam Thielen. The offense will be too much for the Bengals.
0: I was about to say, I don't think Minnesota's going to have a great year, like I said last segment. But just Joe Burrow's first game back from that horrendous injury and then just the personnel again, they haven't completely rebuilt. Right. I still think that they have a long way to go. Bengals won't be able to pick this one up at home.
1: So the Vikings will win this one, but do not expect much out of them this year. So far, Bay and I have picked all of the same teams. We'll see if that. Now, nah, it won't change this game. 49ers, Lions. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man. Detroit. Okay, no. No, 49ers. Yeah, I'm picking the 49ers. I think so. My, I said Trey Lance is going to come in later in the year. I think that Jimmy G gets off to a decent start, but then... That stretch, Packers Seahawks at the Cardinals, that is where I see things going off the rails. Yeah, and I think that Coach Shanahan be ready
0: to make a change to Trey Lance. Yeah, I think I think that could be a trigger that uh, he needs to pull quickly and get that offense moving a little bit more, especially with the weapons that he's got around him and the defense that they have.
1: Yeah, two teams that made major moves in the offseason. Cardinals, as uh, we mentioned earlier, they got JJ Watt, they got AJ Green. The Titans got Julio Jones. Who are we picking here? It's in Tennessee.
0: I really think this one is neck and neck. Me too. I'm going to pick Tennessee just because it's at home. Um, and I also think that offense is going to be tougher to handle than the Cardinals offense is going to be. Um, I think having Derrick Henry and Julio Jones to help out Ryan Tannehill in that offense and Vrabel with that defense still, I think that they're going to have another good year in the AFC.
1: Um, I'm going to have the Titans edge it out at home. All right, here we go. We're going to defer. I like the Cardinals. Okay. I think that the Titans' offense is going to be slow. I think they're going to be trying to do a lot of different things. And when they do that, it's just going to be the first half, I think it's going to be a little wacky. I think the Cardinals will be up by about 10 points at halftime. Titans will fight back, but the Cardinals will ultimately prevail. Yeah. Moving on to the Seahawks and Colts game. Carson Wentz will be starting for the Colts. Where are we going with this game in Indianapolis?
0: Seattle. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think so. Just the way Wentz has been the last several years in that injury. I really like the Colts' defense, and that's what's going to keep this game close. But I think that Russell Wilson,
0: you know how he is early on in the year. I will say this. I think this is another reason why I'm picking them to win their division in reference to the Seahawks. I think Russell Wilson and Co. didn't play the back half of last season the way that they wanted to. They started off really strong, and then the back half of the season didn't really finish as strong as they probably would have liked. So I think him and Pete Carroll, I think they know what they want to do this year, and I think they get it started week one.
1: I think that Russell Wilson, we didn't talk about him in the MVP discussion, but I think every year he does it about week, six week seven week eight, or MVP. I think this year he takes a little bit deeper in the season. Yeah. And I sure. think that he might be top four or three in the fight. For sure, yeah. To the Chargers and Washington football team, oh, man, speaking of ugly games, I think that Justin Herbert – this is the beginning of his shining, but other than that, I mean, what we got a great defense on Washington. Other than that,
0: I, I think Los Angeles wins this game on the road, and I think this is this might be a little bit of a hot take. This is one of those games that's going to cost Washington their division later down, uh, and it's also going to help per- no push. Uh, what am I trying to say? I think it's also going also going to put. The Chargers and the wild
1: card conversation, like we were saying earlier. I'm with you. I think that the Chargers and Justin Herbert, they'll get it done even against that Washington defense. Yeah. I think it'll be low scoring because of the defensive battle and Washington not having quite that good of an offense, or at least it won't be in rhythm yet. I love the skill players on that offense. Don't love the quarterback. Yeah. I'm taking the Chargers. Quickly, Jaguars, Texans. Jaguars. Yeah, I'm gonna pick I'm gonna pick Trevor Lars, gonna win in his first game. Now we move to the three o'clock games. These are the big games of the week. Browns, Chiefs, Kansas City's a a five-and-a-half-point favorite. I spoiled it in my last segment, but who are you picking? I'm so
0: tempted to pick Cleveland, but something in me, because Mahomes didn't play super hot this preseason, but I'm not going to pick against Mahomes. I said he was going to be the MVP this year. I think this is one of those games that he has to win to
1: help keep that MVP candidacy. As I said last segment, I'm picking the Browns to win this game straight up. I think that they really are out to prove something after how that playoff game went. They really feel like... This is a statement game, especially they're going to want to win that division against the Ravens. If they win this game, just book it. Alabama versus Alabama in the quarterback (laughs) department. Dolphins, (laughs) Patriots. I mean, I don't think this is going to be a great offensive showing because of the two young quarterbacks. They're still figuring things out. But who are we picking to win?
0: I like Miami on the road. I think their personnel and offense is a lot more dependable than the personnel on New England. And as Matt Jones' first NFL start. I think
1: he's got to get used to the ropes a little bit. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and pick Miami. I'm going to pick Miami as well. That defense is just so solid. Xavier Howard, he led the NFL in interceptions Now, don't get me, me wrong. Year. The Patriots are bringing back a good bit of their defense. They are. And I, I like the Patriots. I, whenever they go back down to Miami, I might be picking them. Moving on to your Packers, and someone sitting in on the show, Daniel Locke, friend of the show, calls in. He's a member of Weagle now. He'll be starting his shows up next week against the Saints. Uh, This is not New Orleans, unfortunately, due to Hurricane Ida. It is in Jacksonville. Who are we picking, Bay? I think I know who you're picking. Oh, it's Green Bay. All day. No problem. I'm picking the Packers. This is the start of Aaron Rodgers. Revenge tour. Another 325 game. Broncos-Giants. Teddy B against Daniel Jones. I'm going to pick New York at
0: home. Teddy B and... Denver, we talked about it on the show. Um, I just don't see that being a quality
1: fit. I am picking the Giants because I just don't, I like you said, I just don't like what the Broncos' offense brings to the yeah. table, and I think the Giants' defense and offense is a little more suited up. Sunday night, Bears, Rams, first time in SoFi Stadium with fans. Rams. World. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think the Bears are going to be good in the first few weeks until that Justin Fields change Happens. that'll be a huge change in their offense this game that i think will be fun monday night ravens travel to las vegas for the first time with fans in the death star hurry picking bay
0: i think it's gonna be a very hype game for the raiders for that reason but i like lamar jackson on the road to start a very
1: competitive season in that division give me the raiders in a barn burner that over under 50 and a half way over we bet give me the all over. the points give me all the points <laughs> This has been The Scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM or streaming at weglfm.com. You can find the podcast including Bay and my discussion of Auburn-Akron where you find podcasts. For Bay, March, Jacob Hillman, have a great weekend.
0: You've been listening to The Scoreboard on 91.1 Weagle with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Listen every Thursday at 2 p.m. as Jacob and Bay cover all the happenings in sports. You can keep up with all the great shows on Weagle by streaming us on our website at weglfm.com
1: and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at wegl underscore au.